Take a deep breath and let it out. You might not know it, but indoor air quality is a topic that affects all of us. At Renew Air, we're on a mission to educate listeners on indoor air quality and the factors that impact it. Welcome to Indoor Air Quality IQ. Hello and welcome to IAQIQ Indoor Air Quality and you, a podcast brought to you by Renew Air. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney, and excited to have you along with us because this is the second in a three-part series. We talked about ventilation in the first one, and we are talking about a very important topic here for the second one, ERVs versus HRV. So we'll take a closer look at that and I want to bring on our guest for this conversation. Nick Agopian is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Renew Air, and Ryan Marks is the new Product Engineering Manager for Renew Air. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the series. Thank you, good to be back. Thank you, myself as well. And really looking forward to getting into today's topic. I told everybody in the beginning, ERVs versus HRVs, but Nick, can you give us maybe a, a brief recap of what we talked about in our first episode, which we highly encourage you to go back and watch if you haven't already seen about ventilation. Excellent, will do. If I was just to give an example between hardware and software on your computers, um, hardware is what we're gonna be talking about in this episode. Previously, we talked about the software. What is ventilation? Uh, how did it evolve over the last uh, few decades and even the last century? And then more important, what is the value of ventilation? Why is a single number on some code and standard that, that people never really see so important on the physiological operation of the human body, not for the immediate task of whatever you're doing at home or at work, but over a prolonged period? In addition, different strategies of, of how you can use ventilation between supply only or exhaust only, or, or more importantly, the requirements for balanced ventilation. So now that we had talked about that, I'm very excited to talk about the different technologies between ERVs and HRVs. And Ryan, I want to bring you on for this. So let's get right to it. What's ERV versus HRV, and maybe you can even kind of give us an example, some visuals. Yeah, so an ERV is uh, energy recovering ventilator, enthalpy recovering ventilator, and an HRV is a heat recovering ventilator. So the main difference between the two is an HRV recovers only sensible heat uh, in the air exchange between the exhaust air and the incoming air, and uh, an ERV recovers both heat and humidity. So uh, in the case where you're, you have a controlled space with a desired humidity level, you're sending out air that uh, may or may not be in a, a, a condition that's uh, beneficial uh, to bring in outdoor air. So your outdoor air might be more humid. And you want to not bring in that humidity. You want to transfer it to the exhaust air stream and send it out with the, uh, with the contaminated air. So that's the primary advantage of having a uh, an ERV over an HRV. An HRV will just warm up one airstream and cool down the other airstream. So it just works off of a period of, uh, temperature delta. I would I would probably add something to that uh, to help the layperson understand the difference between total energy and sensible energy alone. So imagine being in Las Vegas and Nevada and the desert, and you have this term that's been coined, well, it's really hot. Yeah, but it's dry heat. <laughs> you know? So that heat itself is 
what we typically see as the absolute temperature. Uh, if I tell you it's 95 degrees outdoors, you'll say it's pretty hot. If I was to tell you it's minus 20 outdoors, well, that's pretty cold. Uh, that's the actual temperature that your body senses. Um, the wet heat, which is in concert with this dry heat, is the humidity. And a lot of people have heard the term, well, it's 50% relative humidity outdoors. And relative humidity is exactly that. It means that it's relative to whatever the temperature is outdoors. So when we say 50%, it means the moisture in the air at that temperature is at 50% of its actual capacity, meaning it could get more humid. Obviously, when it's raining, you're at 100% relative humidity. So uh, when we look at delineating the difference between the sensible energy, which is this, what we label the dry heat or the actual temperature, and the latent energy, which is the actual moisture that's in the air, we realize that there's two parts to this equation to give you your total energy. Originally, when these products were developed, and, and I'm not going to age myself, I'm going to try not to, but when I finished engineering school, I did some research, and we did research on plate-type heat exchangers. Back then, they were made out of metal. Uh, that's where the sensible or dry heat comes from. Today, ERVs are not metal or plastic, but actual membranes. So it's highly advanced and is a very sophisticated product. But only focusing on one part of the energy equation is like leaving money on the table and something you're trying to buy. Because, of course, you want to remove the heat in the summertime you also want to remove the humidity in the summertime. And an ERV accomplishes both of that. And I'm sure Ryan is going to get into a little bit more detail between what is absolute humidity, relative humidity, and heat between the differences. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great segue there. Um, uh, for In an engineering world, we don't really deal with relative humidity much because it's, it's against a moving baseline. So we talk in dew point, wet bulb, dry bulb, and absolute humidity. Uh, absolute humidity is the measure of rates of moisture per pound of dry air. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the, the work that your air conditioner has to do to remove the moisture in some cases is far in excess of what it takes to cool the air down. So when you bring in fresh air, if it comes with a lot of moisture, um, you're actually, in effect, bringing in more load on the unit that it has to clear. And that's that's a bad thing because then your system runs longer, it consumes more power, and the your typical HVAC system is not controlling humidity, it's controlling air temperatures. So, so once it re achieves its air temperature set point, it shuts off, regardless of what the humidity value is. So as you bring in more fresh air, if you're not mitigating the humidity that's coming in, then you could run into a scenario where your humidity is elevated and then you can get mold growth and you can get bad things happening outside of, hey, my air is fresh, I have fresh outdoor air, but now I have a, a climate for organic growth to take place inside my structure, which is never a good thing. So as Nick mentioned, an ERV has a special membrane in it and the, the membrane is unique in that it allows moisture to pass through it, but it does not allow air to pass through it. So it's a very unique membrane. So air runs through and transfers heat via sensible conduction, 
but then it also passes moisture uh, via diffusion. And and that's different than an HRV. An HRV is just a plate-on-plate heat exchanger, very thin material. And uh, the scenarios that can happen with an HRV is when you cool outdoor air that's at a relatively high dew point, uh, you actually bring in very, very moist air, very wet air. So you've got the heat recovery, but you're, work, you're kind of working the wrong side of the, the sensible to heat, the latent ratio. Sensible heat is the heat that uh, shows up in air temperature. Latent heat is the heat that shows up in moisture. And an HRV will work the sensible side, but it won't address the latent side. So it can be great in winter applications where it's very dry and you want a lot of sensible heat transfer. But in summer applications, there's a much greater amount of energy that's uh, able to be recovered, and that HRV doesn't really work that side of the equation. So now that we have a good grasp of the definition of ERV and HRV, let's talk about some similarities. How are they alike? I mean, they both recover energy. I mean, they're they're uh, they're very nice in terms of um, saving you money on your power bill. So. Um, they both have balanced ventilation, so typically they have one fan going and uh, on an outdoor airstream bringing air into your home, uh, and then another fan on an exhaust airstream pulling contaminated air out. So they, typically they both have filters, so they filter the air. Uh, but really the big core difference is how that heat exchanger is. What is it doing? Is it just exchanging sensible heat? That's an HRV. If it's exchanging sensible heat and latent heat, then that's an enthalpy recovery system or a ERV. To help people visualize uh, what Ryan is stating, <clears throat> let's picture this. A recovery ventilator, regardless if it's HRV or ERV, is used to, number one, displace air, and they both do that. Number two, filter the outdoor air that's coming in. And... Most HRVs use only more of eight filtration. Um, ERVs today have higher capabilities and, and they can adopt MERV 13 filtration. So slight little difference, but that doesn't mean that a, an HRV can't do it either. So, so far they're fairly equal. But what recovery ventilation does is helps the building air conditioning and heating system to not work as hard. So. We alluded to temperature before. If it's 95 degrees indoors and you want to maintain the space at, let's just say 75, so it's easy math, with a 20 degree delta T. And then you have the humidity part, which is what we labeled latent a little earlier. And humidity is water. And we all know that one gallon of water is equal to 8.33 pounds. So let's just say you have 10 pounds of water. Okay, that's coming in as humidity. So you have a 20 degree delta T, which means normally your air conditioning unit is going to have to cool 95 down to 75. And you're going to have to remove by dehumidifying as much as you can, because you remember an air conditioning unit only cools on temperature, not humidity. But you want to try to dehumidify as much as you can. And maybe typically you might be able to remove, let's just say two pounds of that 10 pounds of water and to what Ryan said, that humidity stays within your, your structure now. With energy recovery ventilation, um, or, or, or let's just focus on HRVs with heat recovery ventilation, 
your 20 degrees from 95 down to 75 allows you to throw back out maybe 15 degrees of that 20 degrees. So instead of coming in at 95, you're now coming in at 80. So your air conditioner doesn't have to work as hard. The 10 pounds of water comes in regardless. So because an HRV doesn't transfer the humidity as, as Ryan alluded to. So that comes in anyways and doesn't get thrown back out. With an ERV, it'll do the same thing with temperature where it will allow you to take that 20 degree delta T from 95 to 75 down to 80. And now your air conditioning system doesn't have to work as hard. Where an ERV becomes beneficial, where you can transfer about, let's just say 40% of that humidity. So now your 10 pounds of water comes down to about six pounds of water because you can throw back out about four pounds or 40% of that humidity. So now where an HRV dumped about 10 pounds of water onto your air conditioning unit and your air conditioning unit was only able to maybe remove two pounds because of regular condensate because it's not a dehumidifier. And I'll, I'll allow Ryan to talk about what that is in a second. But now with an ERV, you're only sending six pounds. So if your your air conditioning unit can dehumidify a little bit by let's just say two pounds, similar to what an HRV uh, would have uh, offered, uh, then what ends up happening, you're only going to have a steady state of four pounds of water in that air. So an ERV gives you a little bit more help to dehumidify within the space as compared to an HRV doesn't offer anything when it comes to humidity control. If you can visualize that, it's kind of like what actually gets put into the building with an ERV is a lot more efficient than not. Now, originally, it used to be thought that, oh, ERVs are great only in the south where there's a lot of high humidity. Well, that's true. But even as we get towards the north and even in Canada, 90% of the population lives less than one hour driving distance from the U.S. border. So does it get humid in New York City? in Montreal, in Toronto, in Vancouver, as it does in, let's say, Seattle. Yes, there's a lot of humidity even in the summertime. So we do need ERVs in the summertime. And now, more than ever, the fact that you have some humidity within the space in the wintertime in these Nordic regions, an ERV will allow you to keep that humidity indoors and help with everything associated to maintain a higher humidity level rather than seeing 5% within the built environment during the winter time. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, a lot of people, the misconception is, well, I have a HRV because I live in a cold climate and the ERV doesn't provide me much value. And, you know, there there's an argument to be made if you're in a high, dry altitude condition that, you know, their performance approaches one another because you're not having the moisture transfer. But... The wild card is, are you conditioning your air in the winter? Because I know a lot of people with humidifiers, and I think one of them is even here doing moderation. So if you have a humidifier in your house, what you're actually doing is you're evaporating water. Usually the simplest humidifier is we're going to spray water over a screen. We're going to evaporate it when your air handler, your furnace turns on, and we're going to make sure our house doesn't dry out. Well, what people don't realize is, Psychrometrics works, works in both directions. So as you evaporate that water, you're actually adding a, 
cooling load to your house. So you're needing more heat to heat up your house to turn that water into water vapor. And if you ventilate, you're going to send that water, all the work that you did outside to the atmosphere and bring in fresh, cold, dry air that's going to dry out your home. So an ERV is going to resist humidity changes. Ultimately, your structure, your home, is going to want to drive to the external dew point. There's nothing you can do about that. When you're bringing in fresh air, it's going to want to go to the outdoor dew point. So if your outdoor dew point is very low, like in the winter, it's it's very cold. The air cannot hold a lot of moisture. You're going to want to drive. It's going to drive to that no matter what. When you bring in fresh air, an ERV is going to slow that decay down, slow that that transition down. And especially if you hit a humidifier in your home, then you don't want to humidify, cause an extra heat load, send it outside. Humidify, cause an extra heat load, send it outside. You want it, You want some sort of energy recovery so you can hold on to that humidity, lighten the load of your humidifier, and lighten the load of your furnace. That's something a lot of people don't realize uh, in the heating in the heating zone. Like you're saying, Nick, a lot of them talk about moisture in the south, southern states where, all right, I'm going to bring in all this fresh air. You listen to our first podcast. The first question is how much do you value fresh air? If you value a lot of fresh air, then you're going to bring it in at a higher a higher rate. And when you bring it in at a higher rate, it comes with a lot of energy penalty because there's a lot of moisture in the air in the south. There, when it's 95 degrees outside and 60 percent relative humidity, uh, it's it's oppressive. It's bad. It's miserable. Well, you don't want that in your home, so you recover that so that you're sending out a bunch of that moisture outside, and it's very quantifiable. Like you were mentioning, let's say you're bringing in 10 pounds of water. Well, uh, you don't want to bring that in and put that on your air conditioner because instead of your air conditioner cooling your home, it's going to be making, it's going to be condensing water. And then what happens is it'll never condense enough water. It'll just cool the air. It's going to be, it's only going to turn on when it's 74 and turn off when it's 72. So there's not much air temperature delta that it's working on. It's going to do as a little amount of work as it possibly can to get your air temperature to where it needs to be. And whatever you have left over with moisture, it'll just continue to build and build in your home. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, dynamic that uh, a lot of people aren't aware of. And especially with the new air conditioning systems that have been mandated by the government, where they're running higher and higher SEER air conditioning systems. And really what that is, is... They're reducing the amount of latent load that they're providing. So they said, hey, um, we're, we're designing an HVAC system here. We want it to be as energy efficient as possible. The best way to do that is to have it only focus on cooling the air and not focus have it focus on making water. So now it's even less effective at clearing humidity. And then on top of it, we're bringing in more fresh air. So it, it creates this really bad recipe for um, disaster when elevated humidity levels can show up. I am taking notes, Ryan. I want you to know, taking mental notes here. As a... <laughs> now you're going to go home and you're going to have all your stats in your house and you're going to be like, oh my God, I need to control my humidity. I need, to, I need an ERV. I need... My husband's going to be wowed with all this knowledge and where did it come yeah. from? So I, I do want to dig a little deeper though, because we have the similarities that we've discussed, but there are differences and we've touched on a few, but Let's really take a look at those differences and the negatives with the ERV, HRV, because we're here for solutions. We want to help solve problems, but we need to know what problems need to be solved. So what can you give us as far as information with 
those negatives and how we can kind of work with them? Sure. Both of them recover energy. And, uh, you know, working in an organization that values fresh air, myself valuing fresh air, I want to bring in a tremendous amount of fresh air into my home. I want to monitor my indoor air quality. I want to ensure that my kids are healthy, that my wife is healthy, that I myself am healthy. And uh, just like you, you don't want to drink dirty water, you don't want to eat rotten food, you don't want to breathe bad air. So it's important to monitor that, check it, and uh, make sure that it's, uh, uh, it's clean and safe. Um, when it comes to the best method to do that, when you value fresh air, you bring in more of it. And when you bring in more of it, you have to do energy recovery. Uh, it's, it's very much in your benefit to recover energy. Then HRV recovers energy. It's not a bad product. It's a good product. Uh, but it comes back to, uh, does that solve the entire problem? Well, we don't know. We don't know if it solves the right problem because we know that it can't take out moisture. It can't mitigate moisture coming into your home. And while that may not be critical for a person's application, we do realize in some parts of the country it is critical. And it's something that has to be looked at. I wouldn't sit here and say, don't ever buy HRV. It's a bad product. That's not that's not being honest. That's not truthful. Uh, there's, there's very good places for it. Uh, just like... Um, there's very good places for an ERV. An ERV is a great tool to bring in fresh air, recover humidity, uh, and and save money and uh, be energy efficient and uh, healthy at the same time. I'd like to add a little bit more on the operational differences between the two because they do work differently. Uh, there are certain idiosyncrasies with HRVs that ERVs don't have. Number one, because you're not transferring the humidity in the winter time, that humidity does condense in an HRV and it does freeze up. And all HRVs have an active defrost cycle that needs to be um, operationalized in all Nordic areas where you have snow. So what does that mean? That means that you have frost that occurs and to a point where you reduce the amount of air because that frost grows into like a big ball of ice, actually, literally. And then at that point, they turn off the outdoor air coming through and they leave the exhaust air being pushed through the heat exchanger and exhausted outwards in order to melt the ice that's formed. So what does that mean? That means for a period of time, that ice that has to be melted and you know it takes time to melt ice, you have no ventilation. So the goal as we move forward from all the cognizant authorities is we want continuous ventilation. It's the kind of thing where we say, okay, I'm going to operate an HRV for 40 minutes. And then on the 40 minute mark on the hour, I need to shut it down and go to an active defrost cycle. Well, at 41 minutes, I decided to cook fish inside the house or I decided to deep clean, or I decided to have a cigarette, or I decided to have a cigar, whatever the case may be. The point is, now you have an, an internally generated contaminant that's going to dissipate throughout the entire house, and then you're going to reach steady state concentration that's going to make it difficult to bring back down once you conclude the defrost cycle. And ERV doesn't need that. And the U.S. Geological Service wanted to conduct um, some uh, research uh, in ice in Antarctica. 
and they researched ERVs and HRVs and different models and different types. And then at the end, they decided the best way to uh, maintain the ventilation without any downtime is to use an ERV. And these ERVs operate during normal conditions at minus 57 degrees. And at nighttime, in the wintertime, it goes down to minus 114 degrees, and there's no defrost cycle on ERVs. So cognizant authorities are saying, you know what? Just using an ERV everywhere. Why need? Why use an HRV? In addition, because you have a defrost, you have that pipe that dangles down from an HRV and it has to find its way to a drain. Sometimes drains clog and then you got this pool of water in your basement. It's just a laborious installation when you have to use an HRV as compared to an ERV. So my personal preference is an ERV is almost maintenance-free as compared to an HRV. Yeah, and I think if you look at, uh, if we throw up a psychrometric chart here, you can see visually what you just described there, Nick. So when you um, evaluate indoor and outdoor conditions, we can find points on the psychrometric chart and say, here's my indoor condition. This is our typical winter condition, 70 degrees, 30% relative humidity. And then what's my outdoor air condition? My outdoor air condition is minus 10 and it's going to be extraordinarily dry, like a minus 12 dew point, something very low. So how does an HRV perform and how does an ERV perform? And HRV, as you can see, the line will go straight to the left and it'll keep going left as the temperature drops until it reaches the saturation line. And at the saturation line is the point at which that indoor air is cold enough to essentially start self-condensing. And that's what you mentioned, where you'll have water coming out of, um, coming out of the HRV. However, what's happening is uh, the heat exchanger is at different temperatures. Both of them operate somewhat similarly in the temperature gradient across the heat exchanger. But water freezes at 32 degrees. So if you're operating at a temperature far below that freezing point, there will be points on the heat exchanger where that condensation will start to freeze and it'll start walking across the, uh, the heat exchanger until it's completely blocked. That's why they have a defrost cycle in there. So they'll turn a defrost cycle on and say, all right, we're not going to do heat recovery. We're just going to exhaust air to thaw it out, to thaw the HRV out. Well, if you wanted to have equal performance, you really should oversize the HRV then because it's not really doing any recovery. So if you wanted to make an apples to apples comparison, you'd say, all right, well, I'm going to run this intermittently. And because of that, I need 40% more CFM to meet my fresh air requirements because intermittently it's going to freeze up. Whereas in HRV, if you look at the same psychrometric line, that, uh, that line does not go straight left. It goes towards the outdoor air conditioning. So it never really reaches the saturation line easily. And it's highly dependent on your indoor air conditions. So where your indoor relative humidity is. So as we stated, as I kind of stated earlier, your in, your indoor dew point will always trend towards your outdoor dew point. But during that transition time is where you'll get things to freeze up and you'll have bad situations happening. So. Uh, the winter performance on an ERV is far superior to an HRV. Um, 
though all things that the casual homeowner isn't going to understand or know, but the person selling the equipment and commissioning the equipment, that's that's what we take our pride on is educating our teams and educating the, the technical sell, if you will. And we learned so much from this episode and a perfect way to end because we have more coming your way. Of course, we talked about the difference between HRV, ERV. Next episode, we will go into how do you design ERV. So can't wait for that, but have to close this up for now. So thank you to my guest, Nick Agopian, who is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Renew Air. And then we have Ryan Marks, who is New Product Engineering Manager for Renew Air. Thank you both again for your time. Excited to hear how we finish things up in episode three, but appreciate you being here for episode two. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to the second of this three-part series from IAQ, IQ Indoor Air Quality and You, the podcast brought to you by Renew Air. If you'd like to learn more about today's conversation or Renew Air, you can visit their website, renewair.com. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Once again, thanks for joining us. We hope to see you on episode number three. If you missed the first episode, please go back and watch it and subscribe to the podcast so you can hear more great conversations like the one we had today. We'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.